On interviewing Clarissa for episode 15, I instantly felt a sense of calm and trust. Clarissa is an internationally recognized menopause transition expert, helping women who are going through menopause manage their symptoms, regain their confidence, and experience a new sense of freedom and energy. Our conversation dived into managing menopause in the workplace and the fact that menopause isn't even recognized or spoken of in the corporate environment. Clarissa is also the author of the international bestseller, The Mindful Menopause. So I'm very excited and um, pumped to be introducing to the Sexy Aging podcast, Clarissa Christensen. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you, Tracy, for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, I mean, we're talking all things menopause. We're on a roll now and um, we were connected through podcast sites. So it's it's really amazing to take that journey where you go, I'm going to do a podcast. And then you realize that there are other people also doing the same thing. So we're connected through podcasts and the topic of menopause and you have quite an extensive journey through menopause I'm just going to give a little introduction for our listeners um, you're an internationally recognized midlife and menopause coach you help women to reinvent what midlife could be like for them um, you have 28 years in transformational coaching and seven years working in neuroscience in the areas of mindfulness compassion and health coaching so that's amazing. Can you sort of elaborate a little bit on what you actually do? It sounds amazing and like I want to hang out with you. <laughs> oh, thank you, Tracy. That's great. I um, work with women in a number of ways. So I obviously work with women in groups and I work with women one-to-one. -one. one of the things is that menopause is still one of those things we don't talk about very much. It's particularly, I think, the more corporate, the more senior we are, we keep it a little to ourselves. And a lot of women ask questions like, is that normal? Is, am I normal? And that's not a question to ask because we should be saying we're all normal and perfect and beautiful as we are. But what's common? You know, and understanding this journey and that it is a, a whole journey. It's not just bits of symptoms that we try and, you know, bash or <laughs> control, but we're actually changing as a whole person. And that's my ethos and way of working. So helping women to see this as a journey, a journey to a different you in many ways, you know, and being really a woman who can age well, age consciously, and have all that new zest for life. That is what we can have if we can go through this journey better. And obviously, fantastic if younger women want to come through and learn how to be set up to have a better peri to post menopause journey. Yeah, oh, that's fantastic. I mean, I, I'm just grasping on the point around younger women as well, because I stride, I feel I personally stride between the 40s and 50s. And yes, I'm 50, but a lot of my friends are a lot younger than me. And I don't want them to come to the point where they're like, I have no idea what's happening. So this is our journey is to share all this information so that they know what to expect and to do it really well, right? To, to go yeah. and not to to walk towards midlife with trepidation because even the words midlife are, you know, are not seen as a great opportunity to enjoy the rest of your life. It's not like that, but, you know, I think people like you can really help us um, develop and embrace what the rest of uh, our lives will be like. So can you share with us, I mean, how did you fall into the whole coaching midlife menopause 
mindfulness? Like, where did that begin for you? It began for me with my own menopause journey. And of course. I had, <laughs> what a surprise, yes. You know, and I, I'm in my 60s now, but we're going back 15 plus years, maybe 17 years. And no one talked about menopause. There wasn't, you couldn't do Dr. Google and find out very much except from maybe a few stale medical sites. I didn't even know that there was a thing called perimenopause where we'd have hormone imbalances. And I was actually very unwell. And I put a lot of that down to extreme stress in my life at the time, which of course is a key factor, but it wasn't the only factor. And I developed the inability to actually breathe properly when I was walking at a pace or walking uphill. And I, I went to my doctor and said, I can't breathe. And he goes, oh, you've got high blood pressure and just kind of chucked a pill at me, which I did have. I didn't know that that was a symptom that can occur. And it's very common for women in the menopausal change to have issues because we're having hormonal imbalances and changes. So actually our blood vessels are changing too. But I was had a lot of stress that was never discussed. And of course, putting on weight, not sleeping. And then I had a panic attack. And that was actually the big part. I'd been quite anxious and nobody was really supporting me. And I had a full on panic attack in my office in Sydney. It was a terrifying experience. And one I can remember looking down on myself and thinking, I don't even know what I'm saying or doing here. I have no control. And I was breathing like I'd run up the office stairs, actually. And my then boss turned to me and said, oh, yeah, maybe you should exercise a little less at lunchtime and turned and walked into the office. And I went back down. And, uh, nobody asked me how I was, didn't realize something could be wrong. And I went downstairs to the lobby and I phoned a friend and I cried. I cried and I said, I can't do this job. I can't do this anymore. I don't know what to do. But never was that word, you know, menopause mentioned. But I enrolled in a mindfulness class. And that actually is why I think mindfulness is so helpful, because it helped me to build a new relationship with myself, with my own body, to be much more aware of the things that I could take control of in my life. And I actually first worked as a mindfulness teacher. And so I was working with women at the Women's Health Research Institute in Australia, which does fantastic work for women who have horrible gynecological conditions. I mean, really severe, but all of them were kind of midlife and there was something going on. And then I was coaching women on their mindset and mental well-being too. And they were always in their late forties and fifties and saying the same things as me. And I started looking at how many women were crashing and burning and leaving jobs. And I'm thinking something connects us together. And of course it's menopause. And that's when I went back and I trained to be a specific health coach for midlife women and beyond. It's called the third age health coaching, but I mean, that sounds really worse than it is. But to really understand what is going on here and how can I, as a non-doctor, work with other professionals as well to help women. And that's when I became interested in mind, in body, and increasingly I'm interested also in the spiritual side because it's it's a bigger journey than just your physiology. So that's my story. Yeah, thank you for sharing. I mean, there's so many similarities to a lot of the other um, interviews that I've had. We've talked about 
um, the third age. You know, you say that with a little bit of a laugh, but I think it's because a lot of people will have never have heard it spoken of like that before. And so just to clarify, the first age is puberty, the second age is childbearing, and the third age is, you know, moving through menopause towards midlife. Um, so yeah, we I'm starting to learn as I go as well when I'm interviewing people. So I'm learning a lot. Thank you. I'm learning from you. Um, so you help women transition through midlife and menopause. So what does that mean? Like, how do you do that? And what tools do you use to, to assist women to have the best life? Yeah, exactly. And I think a lot of my work is in, is in three areas. A huge part of my work is mindset. How we think and feel about this time of life is incredibly important. Most of us, I think, are in a place where we are not talking about menopause. We have a mindset that it could be difficult. We have a mindset that we're maybe a little bit helpless, that I can defer this or default this to maybe I go to my doctor. Well, I don't feel that sometimes doctors are very helpful. They're not bad. Okay, let's say that there are lots of doctors who are very engaged in this space, but a lot of women get rebuffed and then they're left alone. So we have to work on our mindset. How do I feel about this age? How can I build more awareness about it? And if we change our relationship, we're changing our relationship to ourselves. And that's the first stage that I work with women. Because if our minds are not in the right place, how can we even work on change? We have to work on where we are. So a lot of work there. And then I really work with women holistically about their physical bodies. You know, what are we eating? How are we moving? How can we get more rest and sleep? And I think this is about stopping overgiving and having boundaries to rest and relax and make time for ourselves. It's incredibly important for us to manage stress and anxiety at this stage. And obviously, food and exercise are fundamental to life like sleep is. A lot of women need help at this time to, to change that. And I do bring in functional nutritionists and exercise therapists to, to support me in that journey. Because although I've got a background in nutrition somewhere way back in the day, that's not my primary specialism. And then I work a lot about how we're going to build a new journey. What does that journey look like? How can we go through rituals, through journaling and reflection, through meditation, to letting go of who we were, to forgiving who maybe we were when we were a younger woman and to embrace this new life, to celebrate what it would be like uh, and really see this as a way of finding purpose and mission in life. And that doesn't happen quickly. We have to have reflective space to do that. So we do a lot of work in that space too. Yeah, that uh, sounds amazing. I'm just listening to you and going, I think I need to see you <laughs> because... I actually do practice a lot of what you've spoken of, the mindfulness, I meditate most days, I journal every morning, it's the first thing I do when I get up, I, and I actually use a few different kinds of books and guides that will kind of get my brain thinking about how that react, reflects to my life moving forward, so it is actually a really, really nice practice, um, and I think it's the practice of putting myself first, which I've realized just from what you were saying, like actually, <clears throat> yeah, while I have to get up before everyone else, because I'm never going to get that chance again. So maybe yeah. I'm putting myself like fourth. <laughs> but it is like waking up in the day and it's the first thing I do. So I think of it as, yeah, I'm putting myself first. When women come to you to, um, 
to get some advice and some support because of midlife, what are the biggest stresses that you're hearing like today? And has it changed throughout the years? Yes, I would say the biggest thing I hear now is around their mental health. And I think we've got to recognize that we're allowing mental health to be talked about a lot more than we were. So women come, there's a lot of anxiety and that that sometimes isn't the first thing they talk about, but deep down there is a lot of anxiety going on about not being good enough, a bit being anxious about everything, about feeling moods that swing, you know, they're like this and, and not knowing how to react to those. And particularly as we'll talk about in the work situation, that's very difficult for women. The other thing I hear a lot is brain fog. This forget, it's not just that you forgot the keys. I mean, that's a joke, you know, <laughs> or like me, forgot where you parked your car. If you've ever been to Sydney to West Ride, <laughs> I lost my car there in Ikea and couldn't well, find it again. <laughs> try parking in KLCC in Kuala Lumpur. Um, yeah, I mean, I started taking photos of where my car was like in my 30s. <laughs> because that place is bohemoth. But yeah. yeah, I mean, and now, I mean, I'm still taking photos because even <laughs> like a one-level car park, I don't want to lose my car. I don't want to be that person. <laughs> but brain fog is a little bit more than that because it's also our ability to concentrate and particularly to concentrate on more difficult projects, things that require our attention, or sometimes that awful feeling that you go completely blank, you know, and you can't remember what the person's called, what you're supposed to be saying next. And that's knocking women's confidence. And I've even had a client, she was very, very senior in, in media. And she was actually dismissed for her role because of her menopause symptoms. Oh, that's horrendous. That's yeah. horrendous. It was absolutely horrendous. And eventually we were able to unpack all this brain fog and anxiety. And even though sometimes women are doing the right things, I mean, women who come to me know about eating well and exercising, but there's the additional component of being able to cope with some of these areas. Uh, obviously women have, um, you know, hot flashes and, and weight gain and things like that, but those things never really can bother women quite the same way as the mental emotional side of it. And a lot of my work is that women come to me with that space and we work through. And then obviously you can course correct things like diet and how we're taking care of ourselves as part of creating a stronger foundation and becoming more resilient. And, and women go off and do other things. They quit jobs, they um, start new businesses, they have different relationships, they're setting up boundaries and learning to ask the word, I need, I need you to support me because we understand that. Whereas a lot of the time they're saying nothing and crying or they're screaming at somebody who's usually their poor partner or children at home. And so a lot of it is working through those. And those are the hardest things for women, I think, um, because they touch when we have mind or emotional issues, they touch every part of our life very deeply. Yeah. And because we're so giving in nature, we often put the emotions and the environment of our family and closest before our own needs and then and then we lose our shit with them <laughs> you know <it's> like, <laughs> yeah. and, we, and we can't figure it out like you've just spoken of it like um yeah just not understanding what's going on and and putting everyone else first and something you spoke of that I, I really resonated with and some of the um previous 
podcast interviews, I've interviewed deliberately about women who have taken a um, an approach as they age to really follow their heart and do the thing that they always wanted to do. And that's part of, you know, celebrating the fact that we do get to this part where our heart, soul knows that we are maybe not in the right situation. We're not in the right career. We're not in the right uh, relationship. We don't have time for that friend that brings this negativity to our lives or, you know, those things that happen resonate really clearly as we do move in our third age. And we, and we second guess ourselves because we think, well, I've got brain fog and anxiety, so I can't really be knowing what I want. <laughs> but but it's not yeah, but we, but do, we do. do. And, I, and I think that it's allowing that time. And sometimes that's creating reflective space, which is very hard for us to do, which is what I deliberately do with clients is to help them create time to be quiet, to be still. And that's when you can hear your inner child talking to you. That's when we can use those sorts of practices because we can remember what it was like to be a child. But I am seeing women coming through, as you asked me, more and more. I mean, the pandemic has been brutal um, on women's mental health across the board. And particularly now they've coped with so much. I think a lot of women are seeking much more help in this space, and particularly menopausal women who already may have had been on the starting block of having issues. Yeah. Um, one of the reasons that I wanted to catch up with you, and it's something that's actually quite personal to me as well. Um, while I'm not in the corporate space, I have worked in corporate fitness. And so I have been, you know, at the executive management level and having to stand up and make presentations and um, pull together strategy and lead teams and things like that. Um, there have been or had been moments where I would start to doubt myself and wonder if I still had it, <laughs> you know, <laughs> oh, yeah. if I was losing it and losing it, not just, you know, up here, but like, have I still got the ability to do this? It's a really scary moment. So I know it's one area that you really help women with. So can you share how you do that and some tools? Well, one of the things I think is for women to have tools to cope with in the moment. I mean, I'm helping women there, as you said, who are, they're quite senior. No, in fact, they're very senior sometimes. So they don't have anybody else to talk to. One of the ways is to help them have someone to talk to, to be able to open up a community of space. And I do have communities within my wider portfolio where we can talk in safe space. And I think when you're a senior woman, you know, you're, you're expected to perform at a different level to a man. You just have to do more. And it's wrong. And women are subjected to microaggressions, particularly as they get into the senior and board level positions. It's not overt. It's not, you know, you couldn't pick and point the points. But it's all the time, this slightly undermining of you. And if you're vulnerable, as you are in, in menopause, you need first and foremost to become resilient. And I work a lot with resilience and a lot with having someone to talk to. And resilience is, is not just about bouncing back. It's about building a real foundation of mental toughness, mental strength, uh, combined with physical strength. So you're looking after yourself in a new way and having a variety of, of resilience-based tools, which are based on positive psychology to help you there, that you can step through and cope, 
how you actually have different ways of meeting difficult situations. Because I think we need that because we're going to meet them. As senior women, we're under a lot of pressure. And, and as corporate women, we're under more pressure than ever. And so having these variety of tools to actually resilience-based tools is what I work with. And then having somebody you can talk to, to share, to know that you're not the only senior woman having these issues. There is the other side of that is how do we open debate in organizations? And, and sadly, that's a long way behind. I think we need to be engaging men in these conversations. And I think there are organizations that have already begun that. And not necessarily educating men about the menopause. They don't want to know all about our ins and outs, but they do need to build empathy and compassionate leadership in there so that when we can bring men and women together in a safe space to talk, they understand what we're going through and they can know when they could be helping us. And I'm, I'm not sure that I think we need policies at work. I think they, you know, corporate policy doesn't ever really work. It isn't working in lots of other spaces. But education, community, safe space is what organizations need to cultivate to help women at this time. And I think being creative, maybe if you've got a woman you've invested a lot in, rather than losing her, and we've got to remember that 25% of women can walk away, one in four women will leave their job to do something else. That's a huge loss to organizations, a loss of a talent that will come back after a few years as well, if we're not very well. How can corporations be more open and flexible in allowing women maybe to step off or go a bit slower or have a consultancy space? in this time and probably working from home which has kind of happened by default but do that more consciously so that they're supporting women so that you know suddenly we're in our early early to mid 50s menopause is over we've got 10 plus years to work surely you want women in your organization because they help with gender diversity they're very important for mentoring younger women so i really want to see that's the two sides to helping women in, in the workforce, particularly corporate senior women. Yeah, uh, I absolutely love this conversation and it gives me so much hope. And I was also going to mention to you that I, I saw in two publications, one in Australia and one in New Zealand, about opening up the discussion to support women in the workforce with menopause. So it mm -hmm. is starting. Um, which is good. And it's something that I want to dive into a little bit more in the future. Like I'll find out who wrote the publications and <laughs> get them on the podcast and let's get this conversation going because I can only imagine, and I'm not in the workforce right now in the corporate world, I can only imagine how scary it is when you're having those symptoms and there's nobody you can talk to, you know, and like you described that panic attack, and that women all over the world are having that happen. And how scary is that, right? Oh, yes. And losing confidence in our own abilities. And unfortunately, like the woman who was dismissed, she's not an isolated case. Because it becomes noticeable. If you're suddenly this woman who is very competent and confident and you stand in meetings and you're used to presenting and doing all the things that we do, and suddenly you can't do that, then, you know, that's the case. I mean, I've had another woman who is very senior in HR. She's used to being brilliant, going to interviews and just, you know, walking into new jobs. 
she's been to loads of interviews and just gone completely blank and can't get anything out and obviously not got the job. And that has really impacted her and uh, difficult for her to bounce back from that. Or other women whose people, their teams around them go, you're hell to work with because they're so irritable and moody, you know, get it fixed. And for one woman, that was going to HRT, and that did help her to balance her mood. So there's many routes to getting there. But I think for women that lead teams, that present, that work at senior levels, this is a difficult journey that isn't really being shared. And they don't share it with any other woman in their group because their they're fear of kind of losing your status and your, and, and your sort of sense of how people view you in the workplace. I think that's what it is, isn't it? It's, it's a fear that you'll be seen less than or that you are now over the hill or too old for this. <laughs> Let's just put it out <laughs> oh, yeah. That, that one, that one yeah. you know, you that know, one is very real, very, very real. Whereas those are just symptoms that are causing it. Up, up here, you still uh, have so much to contribute. As you mentioned, you know, you don't want to lose those women from the workforce because of their, I believe, just their ability to mentor you know, woman coming through. And as long as we can appreciate and support and have compassion for this third age, then I think, um, yeah, we're going to retain these incredible minds in business. We so. are, we are. And we don't want to lose them because because corporate corporates, organizations lose out. They just lose out. And then women go off and they go off and they go and work in, in you know, serving others in charities. They end up running their own businesses, becoming coaches. That's great. That's fantastic. But there's also lots of women who love their corporate career and then it suddenly isn't quite going as it likes and it becomes a place of, of misery and of resentment because you weren't supported through what really is in, in the totality of our working life, quite a small space. And usually at the end of my podcast, I ask my guest to recommend a book, a course uh, or a song or um, something that they've done that helps women through this menopause. Um, and I'm actually going to say and take your stage and say, you have written a book called The Mindful Menopause. <laughs> so you're an author as well, international bestseller of The Mindful Menopause. And so um, I'm going to be pushing that today um, and encouraging listeners and viewers to get on top of that um, because you've got a lot to offer. I'm looking forward to getting my own copy. I'm knee deep in books that I've been given or recommended and uh, it's actually amazing. So this is another one in my stack that I need oh. to start reading. <laughs> Brilliant. Thank you, Tracy. And if I recommend one back to you, I think yes. any books that come from Christine Northrup, Dr. Christine Northrup, you know, she has been a real pioneer in talking about menopause and her own journey and, and how we can see this as a time of opportunity and really regaining zest for life. Great. Thank you. I've taken note of that um, because we want to give our listeners as much opportunity as possible to find out what they need to have the next best 50 years. That's what we want to achieve. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Thank you, Clarissa. Thank you, Tracy, for having me on your show. I hope you enjoyed listening to the episode as much as I enjoyed hosting it. I love that there are so many generous women willing to share their story and expertise to help and inspire all of us going through the mire of menopause. If you enjoyed this episode, 
please check the show notes to follow my guest. All their details are there. And if you want to stay connected for further episodes, please like, subscribe, review, and of course, share with your friends. It's through your support and feedback that I can continue to produce episodes. Aroha nui.